welcome to Made in India SLP podcast with your host Kinari and Rabab. Welcome back to another episode of Made in India SLP. Today we have Dr. Krishna Y, an experienced clinician, professor and researcher in the field of speech and hearing in India. Kinari, would you like to go ahead and introduce Dr. Krishna? Definitely. It is my honor to introduce Dr. Krishna. He is a professor in the Department of Speech and Hearing at Manipal College of Health Professions, Manipal Academy of Higher Education. He is also the current president of Indian Speech and Hearing Association. Dr. Krishna received his bachelor's and master's in speech and hearing from All India Institute of Speech and Hearing, Mysore. And he received his doctorate from School of Allied Health Sciences, Manipal, Academy of Higher Education. Dr. Krishna has an expertise in the areas of psychophysics, speech perception, speech analysis, vestibular disorders, and cochlear implants. He has published scientific papers in national and international journals, has been a part of training programs and conferences at national, regional, and international levels. He also holds a certified clinical audiologist, that is the CCCA, by American Speech, Language and Hearing Association, and is also co-coordinator at the Center for Balance Disorders at Manipal Academy of Higher Education. Uh, Dr. Krishna also served as a member in various board of studies of different universities and executive council, and is also an executive council member of AISH. Dr. Krishna, it's an honor to have you here today. Thank you. And yes. uh, first, at the outset, I would like to thank you both the kind of work you've been doing uh, in this podcast series, especially with the title, what I like this is Make in India. It's a good thought and promoting the various professionals from India in this aspect. Of course, uh, we are so thrilled to have a distinguished professor like you, as well as the president of the Indian Speech and Hearing Association on our show today. Individuals suffering from vertigo, dizziness, and other balance disorders um, may be helped by our audiological services as um, hearing professionals. So Dr. Krishna, you happen to be a coordinator for the Center of Balance and Hearing at MAHE. Can you share what are the current practices that are being followed there? Anything that you would like to share with our audience about what assistance is being provided to these individuals by an audiological professional? Definitely, I would like to share the unique approach that we are doing at this center. Now, as you all are aware, balance disorders is within the scope of practice of audiologists. In Western countries, it's been well developed. Many audiologists are involved in management and assessment of balance disorders. There's a kind of a confusion in the nomenclature which we use balance, giddiness, dizziness. Now, based on this also, there have been some apprehensions among the professionals who should do what. However, keeping that apart, for all these balance disorders, it's a team approach that is involved. Physiotherapists, occupational therapists are involved, along with the physicians like ENT, neurologists. In my past experiences, what I've seen 
in most of the places these persons with balance disorders are seen by multiple professionals individually they go like a doctor shopping from one professional to another professional and end up in not knowing what's happening with them they might go to a neurologist they might go to a physician at the first set or they may go to ent when they do the assessment they may not know what's happening and then they go to the next professionals in this concept is they refer to the football game where patient with a balance disorders is a football where he is moved on from one professional to another professional if you are patient is lucky they are able to identify with the first professionals and uh, the management is done if not this is what happens at mahe at my university manipal academy of higher education we have fellowship called fema fellowship this is from philadelphia it's basically to promote interprofessional education and practice uh, interprofessional is without hyphen inter is a single word Uh, which our mentor here, uh, John Gilbert, he is a, a SLP by profession. He is working in Canada. One of the mentors here, along with Dr. Siraj, they have been imbibing the concept of interprofessional practice and education. Now, taking those concepts, we wanted to start this center. Basically, at this center, we want to keep the patient at the center. and all the team members work with the patients together at one time not as a multidisciplinary approach both in terms of assessment and management now we just have started this center there's long way to go we are just in the stage of identifying the professionals the ip team we are planning to develop the material for awareness uh, roles and responsibilities of the professionals and in about one or two years we should be able to make a good model uh, wherein we are able to show the interprofessional practice in these balance disorders there's a long way to go that is a really good initiative and all the best for this project so dr krishna we now have a lot of literature that suggests diabetes can attribute to hearing loss by affecting the inner ear Recently in 2019 you along with Dr. Spankovich published a paper on evaluation and management of patients with diabetes and hearing loss are there some takeaways that you could share with our listeners especially when they are screening individuals who have diabetes sure if i recollect my experiences on this area has started as early as in 91 when i just passed out from my masters program from mysore and started working in nellore i just had the thought of working on diabetes and hearing loss we had a good diabetologist and we did a small study on that and had you know, shared the data for one of our isha con platform catherine daud she is from again us helped me in continuing in this work where they have started up an audiology project and she along with some of the team members has been working in increasing the awareness of hearing loss and balance disorders in diabetes 
I'm not sure how I got in contact with her, but somehow uh, I've been in touch with her and we work with her in developing a white paper and also working for a CDC of US one in terms of uh, how a role of an audiologist comes into picture, the guidelines for diabetic patients. So when we were working on those lines, there was an idea mooted by the team. Why don't we come out with a special issue on seminars in hearing? with various aspects of diabetes and hearing loss. And I was fortunate enough to work with uh, Christopher. We worked on in terms of the assessment and management of diabetic patients. That's how this article has come up. It is published in the seminars in hearing. I wanted to highlight here in this article is a couple of things. I would request all the listeners also to think on those lines for a future management and future assessment part of it. In terms of knowing the causative factors, there's a lot of literature on that. I'm not going to stress on that much. But the effect that diabetes causes, there have been numerous studies which are all the parts are getting damaged because of these uh, complications what happen. The circulation to the cochlea and to the uh, balance structures gets affected with, uh, uh, you know, microangiopathy, which is the issue which happens. The small blood vessels are going to get clogged. There won't be enough circulation that's happening. And also there's a kind of mitochondrial dysfunction that can happen. And uh, glutamate, Exitotoxicity can happen uh, and can cause start having a hearing loss. Now, these are all something which don't happen overnight. Take a long time. First, there should be a diabetes that's an uncontrolled diabetes, and that leading to a problem and a gradual onset, and then person will end up in having more severe hearing loss. In this process of these uh, diabetes and hearing loss, there are different as there are many stages which happen. We as an audiologist can play a role in different stages of. It. You know, one of the team member Bob Disogra, who is extensively working on the balance and he is also having pharma, pharmacology background. He has reported that there are certain diabetic medications that contribute in ototoxicity. Uh, not every drug may do that, but they may contribute. They're not directly related, but contribute to the ototoxicity and also the tinnitus aspect of it. Now, with so many numerous causes which is there and the slow onset which happens, and by the time it's blown, it takes quite a lot of time. So there are different uh, levels of uh, prevention that we could work, which have been uh, reported in the literature, which we have highlighted here, is a primary prevention, secondary prevention, and tertiary preventions. Now, what is a primary prevention, which is refers to the rare prevention of this disease at the onset, prior to the onset, even that before, you know, once you identify the risk factor, then itself you start working on it. Secondary prevention is something where you start reducing the progression that problem has happened, but you are trying to more control the progress of the disease. And the tertiary prevention is something where now it's already happened. Now we have to manage it. 
most of the time we as an audiologist see the patients in this last stage in the tertiary aid prevention where the hearing loss has established and they would have gone beyond mild to moderate degree level they would have come almost a severe level or even more high frequencies getting affected and having some perceptual difficulties speech perception difficulties and in some there may be tinnitus that some may there may be something related to recruitment issues also can happen now once these onset of all these symptoms come into picture their quality of life is going to get affected and whatever uh, management what we have it, in terms of uh, hearing aid amplification devices we give it it might give a limited benefit based on the extent of damage and as you all know most of the time this is a group which is a geriatric population now age related problems also are there there can be due to noise induced hearing loss contribution also can be there so with all these associated factors in the tertiary management level our role is really very limited and very complex also we may not be able to support but still there are good number of audiologists who are working in this stage and continuing to provide uh, some services and improving the quality of life of these individuals what i would like to draw the attention is we should start working at the primary and secondary prevention literacy is something public awareness is something which we can do in the primary prevention camps is something which we can do it all the high risk uh, people can be screened on a regular basis educate the diabetic patients educate the uh, medical fraternity also who are involved in the management of diabetic population that there is a risk of having a hearing loss and there is a need for routine monitoring of the hearing and balance now that will help in trying to prevent the disease if there are any early signs of it you can help them even when you are uh, in the secondary prevention stage by educating the patient and the professionals we can do a good job this is the areas that i think we need to concentrate a lot and we need to work our role in the medical fraternity and other professionals also given a pharmacologists or diabetologists i think this is we need to reach out to them and tell them that we are also part of that team management we are doing assessment that's a routine scan that's something uh, nothing new we have contributed in that it's a routine one oee and routine audiometry is something that we can be doing so these are the things that we have tried to highlight in the special issue thank you for sharing about that dr krishna it's interesting to learn about how hearing loss and diabetes plays a role correct me if i'm wrong but like diabetes is such a prevalent condition in the indian population and i feel like as audiologists maybe we don't ask those questions enough this is great information so thank you i do want to go to something that we wanted to talk about how the indian speech and hearing association is such a community for the audiologists and speech language pathologists in india how it provides a platform for students and practicing clinicians to engage and unite as a profession personally i am so glad and privileged to be a part of this association that is doing such great work it's advocating for our profession and just 
safeguarding the interests of clinicians as well as the affected individuals, which is our patients. So for someone who is listening but isn't a part of ISHA, can you tell them briefly about what work ISHA is doing and just like where do we get more information about ISHA from? Thank you for asking such a relevant question, especially when you want me to address as a president of Indian Speech and Hearing Association. I feel privileged to be the president for an association that's more than 50 years old. And that's the only national association for audiologists and speech language pathologists in India. Yes, you know, of late, Isha has been doing a lot of work in various domains. I may not do justice if I am explaining all the things within the time frame. In a nutshell, what I can say is, if I miss anything also, you can always get information from our uh, website, www.ishaindia.org.in. In the website, you also have a section called Members Only Pages. For all those who are life members or a student member or an associate, any category of a membership, you get access to these members only pages. What is there in that? Uh, other members' details are there available. You can get those information. You can get information about the minutes, information about the advocacy that we have been doing. You can get information about the newsletter that we are doing. You can get information from the past conference presentations that have been done. One more feature what we have introduced is if you have changed your job or your contact details, you don't have to worry whom to contact, how to update your details. You just log in and there's uh, your, your account section where you can go and update your details. These are the members only benefit which is there. Along with this, we have recently started uh, other like a special interest groups or uh, a special interest group in clinical audiology, aphasiology, and private practice in audiology and private practice in SLP to focus discussion, awareness activities, and continuing education activities to help in these areas. In the last couple of years, we have already conducted series of webinars. I thank all the coordinators of these special interest groups for coming forward, initiating it, and also executing to the satisfaction of all the members. And what I have learned over a period of time is this entire work is not possible by any one or two individuals or just the EC members. A dedicated volunteers, the contribution from all the members who are involved is helping out. Even if you are not part of these leading roles of any of these things, you participating in these events also is your contribution. Because as you participate in these events, that motivates the organizers to conduct more. The latest one, which I'm very happy uh, that we could do, is a massive awareness campaign that we have started. And it has really made an effect across India. It used to be a week-long celebration December Speech and Hearing Week, uh, as Asha celebrates May as a Better Speech and Hearing Month. In India, we used to celebrate it as a week. Now we went into a fortnight celebrations as uh, in December, and it was good 
good awareness campaign that we were able to do involving the students involving the professionals involving the other team members also a lot of things that can be done by being part of aec by being as a volunteer by even being a member so what i would request through your media those of you if you are not still a member of asia please join if you have done your qualification from indian universities uh, please do join and strengthen asia i always felt that we were really lacking with our membership we are good in number right now but still i don't think we are sufficient enough if all the graduates of india become the members of indian speech and hearing association we could have a sufficient resources to diverse our funds for various activities for various student activities for various professional activities and research activities and we can grow a lot we also have introduced travel fellowships for the students three four of the members have taken benefit to travel to us uh, to attend the asha convention and present a paper and also isha convention to present papers so i'm happy that i'm being part of this uh, prestigious organization and we are growing dr krishna i personally want to congratulate you and the other members of isha for doing such a fantastic job uh, personally i have accessed the website a lot of times and i have always found it so easy to navigate because it's so up to date and everything i'm looking for is always there since you mentioned about the membership a few months ago i actually became a life member of isha isha is such a great resource especially to stay up to date with the advances in our field it is providing such a great opportunity for for different professionals from different states to network and even continue with the professional education i think isha is commendable just thank you on the your uh, good <laughs> comments about it and also <laughs> you know, i share this comments uh, with all the ec members and all the members who have contributed for this group now one more thing i just want to draw the attention of you and all the listeners is uh, one more new thing that we have introduced in the public pages of isha is locate professionals Well, we will be launching it soon, wherein people can register the services that are being offered in audiology, speech, and in various work uh, setups. One, and it will help patients to identify the professionals uh, for all the services in which places they are available, and, and it will be available for members to register. That seems really nice. I agree completely with what Kennedy said that. it's such a great organization and it gives you a chance to connect and just like you said when you are members and non members it does come with its own benefits i remember being at the isha conference i think it was in mysore and it was it was just great and i'd been at the one in manipal you listen to all these professors and experienced clinicians talk about the patients they've seen the research they've done and as we know nothing beats more experience so that was pretty nice so dr krishna are there ways in which students and other uh, practicing professionals in which they can contribute to isha yes there's a lot as i've just uh, informed doing alone 
versus doing as a team makes a lot of difference mm-hmm. as a sing- single individual yes one can contribute as more number of hands come in you can contribute you can do a lot to the profession and to the association second biggest contribution as a student you can do is participate in all the professional events that the association is organizing it you are getting benefit out of it and we also get benefit the association gets benefit by seeing the number by the seeing enthusiasm there and one more next is by actively participating in those by asking questions you also have uh, opportunities for uh, you know we conduct competition and surveys seeking your input uh, on various aspects of it so your participation in those things is also that's a contribution of yours so students who are listening to this there's you don't have to feel that what can i do there's a lot that you can do and for the practicing professionals it's again one thing you know what they always feel that when we come to the conference you get only the research that is done in the lab i do agree most of the conferences is the lab based research you may not have the evidence based research which is working okay or you don't have a translational research which is the current topic which people are looking at it where they can take home those research and implement it and there are certain outcomes which may not be really practicing enough most of the clinical setup especially in indian scenario with a very limited scope but as a practitioner your contribution how you can do is you tying up if you are finding some interesting cases some clinical cases or you might have come out with some kind of an assessment protocols bait or management protocols that you found success uh, in your patients reach out to the uh, academicians who are involved try to get that work published the new innovations you might have done or new kind of a therapy technique you have done it or a new findings that you have seen in the patients in the assessment one can reach out to the people and this we are lacking a lot in indian context most of the practitioners don't share that information that rich clinical knowledge they have isha can be of that platform in linkedin tag please do oh, contribute your uh, professional input that you are getting with at least the fellow professional members from the association and the lastly the biggest contribution you can do is by becoming a ec member and you leading the team in executing the activities of isha so there's like this so many things that you can do sky is the limit uh, but one thing you should keep in mind is this is all a voluntary contribution but i think it is worth for us to do some voluntary contribution to your profession who has given you a professional life and a livelihood i agree yes i Completely. do agree with that yeah. yeah yeah um dr krishna just following up on have you mentioned this earlier uh from a student's perspective uh you said that isha helps with scholarships and even like fellowships um what is a way for a student like how do they apply for this or how do they make most of this yeah that's a, that's a good question how to get this information i'll yeah. i'll refer you all to go back to the website 
Isha website, uh, where in the download section you have, we have a, kept a prescribed format for a sponsorship. You can fill in the form and then send it to the secretary of Isha India. Details are available. The EC will review your request based on the information you have provided and will give you the sponsorship. It varies up to 5,000 rupees. It may be a small amount, but some contribution for a national conference, especially we encourage uh, for the Isha, attending IshaCon. But it's not limited to. It can be for other conferences also. But we would prefer to students who are presenting papers in the conference. For international one, we are giving up to 20,000 rupees uh, sponsorship. Again, as I told you, it's a, it's a small amount, but it's still a contribution that can help you uh, at least to pay your registration fees, definitely. What I would request members is don't apply in the last month. Plan and apply well in advance so that the EC will have sufficient time to give the decision for you. And you will be confident that, yes, I'm getting this amount. Yeah, and hopefully that will help our listeners understand more about how they can be members of Isha and how they can contribute more to Isha as well. So, Dr. Krishna, we are almost ready to wrap up. Are there any final thoughts you would like to share with our listeners? Maybe some resources for student clinicians as well as fellow practicing clinicians to enhance their skill services? Yeah, some few thoughts which I would like to share and which is something which I have also learned over a period of time is, uh, you know, first I will address the students. It's a learning period where it's a stage where you start uh, acquiring the knowledge about the profession. As all the student life, we also would like to enjoy to the maximum because most of the time you come out and you are mm-hmm. alone, you're <laughs> hostels and everything. You yeah. like to enjoy the freedom that you get. Well, that should be there. I should. I would not say that you should not have that. But along with that, your ability to acquire the knowledge is maximum at that stage. As we have learned in anatomy and physiology, the plasticity. As you grow old, your plasticity is going to come. Your learning capacity comes down. So this is the time where you make yourself very a strong foundation. With the advances in the technology, with the internet resources that are available, I would recommend all the students to explore yourself on the knowledge and make your own notes. Don't depend upon your senior notes or your faculty lecture notes and just mug up that information and then you know produce it in the examinations and get certificate you will get. You know, certificate is nothing new, but knowledge is something which you have to acquire. So I would request all the students who are there here listening, please explore. I would strongly say, don't go for a Google Scholar. Okay, now Google is something which has been there. It's a good, I you know, a kind of a path to identify or just to see where and all you can search. But when it comes to the professional knowledge and professional authenticity of it. Go to the institutional websites, go to the journal websites, and then get information from that. Not just from, because Google, what it is, the Wikipedia, what it does, they want to address the general public. 
the knowledge of the public and you as a professional you don't want to be a public you want to be a professional so the knowledge what you acquire should be above that level so use the resources from the journals from the textbooks and everything and one more thing i would strongly advise the students is respect the rules uh, regulations and the copyright issues sharing is nowadays become very easy respect the copyright issues which is benefit you and you start writing on your own without copy paste will improve your skills also and which will give you confidence in doing it and for the professionals continuing education what we learn in the classes is a very basic knowledge and very conceptual knowledge but when it comes to the practice it's a translational work evidence based practices all these are coming into picture and technology is developing so fast and we need to keep up the pace of it so continuing education don't just look continuing education as to renew a certificate but to your skills to benefit the patient though there is many things but i would like to give emphasis for that thank you very much and it, it's a pleasure for me and i thank you both pinar and ribab for giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts with the listeners of your uh, podcast that is such um, great advice thank you so much thank you so much for your time and being here with us today we've enjoyed this discussion and we are sure our listeners did as well yes thank you to our listeners and we will be back soon with a new speaker and an exciting topic stay tuned to our social media to learn more thanks for joining us today and we are so grateful for all the support we've received and can't wait to see where this podcast goes thank you see you soon